Hey, I'm Bethany. Um, my husband and I, Mason, we just moved back from South Africa about six months ago now. Can't even believe it's been six months with the world the way that it is. Um, for those of you that don't know, we lived in South Africa, Johannesburg, South Africa, to be specific, for about two years. We worked for a ministry called Impact Africa, and uh, we had always planned on living there around two years, but when COVID happened, everything kind of changed. And so a lot of what I wanted to talk to you about today kind of stems from just the journey of like coming home, being home, and a lot of lessons I feel like the Lord's been working on me through that. But before I do that, I did just want to tell you just a little bit about Impact Africa, just so you know where I'm coming from. Um, we worked for a, it was a nonprofit Christian organization in Johannesburg. We worked in some of the poorest slum type areas that I've ever seen in my life. Um, I mean, it would be like 250,000 people just crammed into two square miles. Um, people from all over Africa would come down to Johannesburg looking for work. Um, they, they don't have a whole, whole lot, um, obviously. And so they're living in these like shacks um, with no running water, no plumbing. Um, there'd be porta potties that they could pay to use in the middle of the township. Um, but just a lot of poverty and a, a lot of um, despair. And so we, Impact Africa, they had schools, preschools in these townships. They had a baby home that they would rescue abandoned babies that was really big there just because of the, the crime, the rape, and the, um, the, the level of AIDS and HIV. And so these women would be abandoning their babies, and we had a baby home where we would keep them until they would get adopted. We um, were in the public school systems teaching classes and um, just being there for students, leading Bible studies. Um, we also had children's programs. That's what I was a big part of. We led um, them every single week in the same places, teaching them scripture, telling them stories. I mean, it was incredible. Our time there was I mean, I think anytime you move somewhere or start something new, you have these expectations of what it will be. And in a lot of ways, it was that and, and even better. But also, I mean, just the things that we learned while we were there and the things that we experienced were far different from what we could have imagined. But all in all, I mean, the, the time that we spent there was amazing. The people that we met, the children that, I mean, just completely captured my heart, the the entire thing was amazing. And in, I guess it was March, all of a sudden, or I guess maybe February, we started hearing about this COVID-19 that was going on. And at the time it was like, this is so silly. Like, it's not going to affect us. We, we had interns living there. We had tons of mission teams coming through um, during the summer. And so we're still like completely preparing for that. And then in like the span of a week, it went from this just being like this crazy virus that's far away that's starting to kind of be at a part of America but won't affect us to all of a sudden everything that we knew was about to change. And the president of South Africa kind of was like, hey, listen, we're about to basically shut the country down. Um, there's no more like going into the squatter camps, no more children's programs, no more going into the schools, no more anything that we were a part of. And um, they were, um, I, I believe it was, I don't know, some political person in America basically said to, uh, to people abroad, if you're, if you're gonna come home, come home now or else stay where you're at because everything's going to shut down. And so within like two days, we ended up buying plane tickets because planes were like, um, tickets were selling out because they weren't going to be flying anymore. So we buy these tickets and we're out within three days. I mean, we had spent two years building this life in South Africa and all of a sudden 
it was just over. Um, we didn't get to say goodbye to any of the people that we had built these relationships with. I didn't, I didn't get to explain to the kids in these squatter camps why we had been coming every single week and now all of a sudden they'll probably never see me again. Oh gosh, I hope not, but they may not ever see me again. And, and it, it just happened like that. I mean, everything was just over. And then I come home to the, this world that has been like flipped upside down. I mean, I have, we sold everything to move over there and we come back. I mean, thankfully we have family, but we're, we're stuck in quarantine for a couple of weeks. Can't see anybody. Then, you know, can't see friends, can't, can't go out, can't see people, can't go to church. I mean, it was just like, just such an isolating feeling and feeling like now what? I mean, nobody's going to want to hire us because every, all these businesses are terrified about what's going to happen. Um, trying to buy a house and, and not knowing what the economy is going to do. I mean, it just seemed there was just so, so, so much uncertainty after two years of just this incredible adventure of getting to, to serve people and to serve God. And I guess um, I say all that to say life doesn't always go the way we think it will. We knew when we left America that coming back would be difficult, but we could have never imagined that it was going to be what it was. And I have no clue what your life has been like during this entire pandemic. I mean, I know a lot of people have had it harder than us. I by no means want to say that we've had this like difficult situation that other people haven't had, but it was like I probably one of the most traumatic things that I've ever um, gone through just for something that was, I was so passionate about just to end and then come home to something that didn't even feel like home anymore. And um, my initial response, I was disappointed. I was extremely lonely. I mean, we lived on a base where we always had at least 20 to 40 people living with us. And then it's like, we're stuck in a house by ourselves. I mean, nobody. I had girls over almost every single morning for, for coffee and, and devotions. And then it's like, I I couldn't even see my friends. I was extremely lonely and I just didn't feel a whole lot of purpose. I mean, getting to like, I mean, before we moved to South Africa, I worked here with the kids. I was doing sidewalk Sunday school, just got to feel a ton of purpose in my week. Um, then moved to South Africa, feel a ton of purpose there. And then it's like, now what? And I've never really experienced that type of I don't know if you want to call it depression or just uh, just just such a unsettledness inside of me. Um, it was hard, and I don't. I'm not saying all that to make you feel sorry for me, but I am saying when things don't go the way you think you they will, then what? Then what do you do? Um, I kind of came to this moment sitting on the couch feeling sorry for myself. Of what are you going to do now? Like, are you just going to sit here and keep feeling sorry for yourself? Let loneliness overwhelm you? Let yourself be consumed with disappointment? Or are you going to, like, pick yourself up and, and get back to it? Um, so what do we do when things don't happen the way that we think that they will? Checking my timer real quick. What do we do? Do we stay in that place or do we pick ourselves up? And so... I'm going to just kind of talk to you about 
my journey through that because for you, it may not be this pandemic. Maybe your life is very similar to where it was before, but maybe for you, um, it's somebody in your family is sick or you're sick. Um, maybe you lost your job or you didn't get the promotion that you thought you would, or you were trying to, to buy a house and it didn't work out, or maybe, um, I don't know, but something didn't happen the way that you thought it would. Now what? Now what are you going to do? What will your approach to God be? I felt so unsettled and honestly depressed to the state of the country that I returned to. I mean, there was so much division and so much hatred and so much fear that America, um, in America that I, I didn't know how to handle it. Um, my peace was gone. And I want to say this, peace isn't something that you have when everything is going perfect. A lot of times we think that, that peace comes when we have things figured out, when we have a plan. And I would just tell Mason, like, I just have no peace. Like, I, I don't know where the peace is. Like, I can't feel God. I don't know where he's at. I have no peace. Um, I felt so unsure. But here's something that I really have learned in the midst of all of this, is that peace is something we have because we know who is ultimately in control. You know, there's still a lot of things that we haven't figured out yet. We don't know if we're going to build a house, if we're going to buy a house. We don't know totally um, about professions and jobs. We, I mean, about kids. There's, there's a lot of things that are still very unsure just because of the state of the world and the economy. But peace is not something that I can allow to be controlled by those things anymore. When we allow our peace to be determined based on our circumstances, we're really sacrificing something that God has already given us. I have learned that peace often begins with living a life of thankfulness and contentment. Instead of looking around me and seeing the things that I don't have or the things that aren't the way that I hoped they would be, I have had to choose to see all that God has already given me. And this has been really, really big for me because I found myself getting caught up in these things that aren't what I thought, that I allowed it to steal my peace and my joy. Meanwhile, God has given me a place to live, um, food to eat, a job, people who love me. And it's like, I'm looking at God and saying, none of that is good enough. I still feel unsettled because I, it's not what I want. You know, it's, it's not the things that I thought. Um, I was consumed with feeling like God wasn't near me. I would tell Mason, I just, I can't hear him. I can't see him. I don't know where he's at. And I was feeling that way because I was equating his presence with my circumstances. I was equating his presence being there when his blessings were what I thought they would be. Does that make sense? Um, Job, it's a book of the Bible about this man who has seemingly everything. He's a righteous man, the Bible says. He has all the wealth. He has a huge family. People respect him and honor him. And one day um, the enemy comes and he, and he and God are having this conversation and God allows the enemy to attack Job because God knows that Job will remain faithful. And Job in the midst, I mean, literally he's sick. All of his children have died. He's lost all of his wealth. And my situation's nothing like that. So I'm not saying that. But here Job is in the worst situation that I've ever heard of. I mean, he's lost literally everything. And he's talking to God and he says, He's like, um, God, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's been like talking to his friends. He's saying, but I've been innocent. God, why are you doing this to me? And God comes at him at the very end of the book. And God is basically like, where were you when I built the foundations of the world? Like, who are you to question me? And in Job 41, 11, God says, who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. God is saying, 
you haven't done anything that, that is so good that now I owe you something. Like God doesn't owe me anything for having gone to Africa. It's like I had this warped mentality that when I got back, that because of what I had sacrificed, God was going to just like bless me like crazy. And I still hope that he will. But it's like, that is a wrong mentality as a way to look at God. That's me saying, God, or if I do this, this, and this, then God is going to give me this, this, and this. And the thing is, is if I am living in the way that my good actions will result in good things coming my way, then am I really doing good things for God? Or am I doing them for myself? And these are like hard questions that I had to ask myself because I had pure motives, I thought, in going to Africa, but my my attitude when I came back was that of, God, you haven't given me what I thought you would because of what I did for you. And that is a very selfish way to look at God. I mean, God blesses me simply because he loves me. I mean, the things that God has given me is just out of the goodness of who he is because he loves me and I'm his kid, not because I've done anything to deserve it. Because here's the thing, God has already given me everything. God sent his only son to earth to die for me. There's a song that um, I guess a lot of this kind of has stemmed from. It's called Agnes Day. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. It's Bob. I think, I don't know who originally wrote it, but basically it says, um, holy, holy, are you Lord God almighty? Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. You are holy. And pretty much the entire song is that same thing over and over. Holy, holy, are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy. And I was singing that song. I actually had like five versions of it downloaded. And one day I was just, I had been listening to like all five versions over and over and over. And I was just weeping, thinking, God, if all I can say to you is like, holy, holy, That's what the angels in the Bible said. They said, holy, 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 all day long. The Bible says that they're in the innermost presence of God, and that's all they can think to say is holy, holy. And Mason, he would always teach the interns coming through South Africa, coming through Impact Africa. He would say, if you only had one word to say to God for the rest of eternity, like the angels that are saying holy, what would yours be? And as I'm singing this song, I'm thinking of that and I'm being reminded of all of the things that God has done for me. The fact that he even allowed me to go to South Africa. A lot of that is because of you guys. You, you helped us get there. And I want to say thank you. And hopefully Mason and I can, can show you more later about what is still happening there and what all your giving went towards. But today I really felt like I needed to share this with you. Because if I only had one thing left to say to God for the rest of my life, what would it be? And I just sat there and I just thought it would be thank you. Like, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's like peace immediately came back because all of a sudden it wasn't looking at what I don't have. It's looking at what I do and what God has already given me. And I just sat there crying, saying, God, you are so worthy to be praised. You are so worthy. You deserve all of my thankfulness. And it's like this this peace that I had been missing was all of a sudden replaced with just a spirit of thankfulness or this, I guess, discontentment that I was feeling was replaced with thankfulness and peace washed over me in a way that I had never experienced it before. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I'm still so excited to be able to buy a house one day and to be able to start a family, but the lack of those things is no longer producing this fear and this unsettledness inside of me. 
I think that when you look at your life and you think about all of the things that maybe didn't work out the way that you thought they would, what is your response to them? Is it, God, why didn't you give me this? Or is it, God, thank you for taking care of me in the midst of it? You see, Jesus came to earth. He gave up everything ultimately to die, and he did it for us. The gospel is good news because it's Jesus giving us an opportunity to be with God. I would be sitting there on the couch feeling sorry for myself. And, you know, we, hey, we put an offer on this house. It didn't work out. We wanted to build and materials skyrocketed. And it was like all of these things that were just like frustrating me. And Mason would just say like, we just spent the last two years surrounded by people who are in extreme poverty and we saw joy in their lives. Like how, how can your joy and your peace be so stolen by the lack of things that we don't even necessarily need. And I would just sit there and I would think, you know what, God, like you have given me everything. Who am I to sit here and feel like you owe me anything? Um, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he would do it again. And so if God never gives me another good thing, that's okay. He's already given us everything. He's given us a chance to be with God again. And I say all this to say today, I want to remind you that your peace doesn't come from the world we live in. Thank God. Your peace doesn't come from your circumstances or a good job. Your peace doesn't come from health. Your peace doesn't come from um, a good marriage. Your peace doesn't come from anything on this earth that we can build for ourselves because circumstances can change like that. We have no clue what the rest of this year holds. We've seen a pandemic. We've seen the ultimate division in our country. We've seen um, people losing their jobs and the economy struggling. And yet, God is still in control. Nothing can take God off the throne. Nothing can ever defeat God. God will always be God. Nothing is more powerful than him. Even if the world crumbles around us, what will your attitude be? What will my attitude be if things don't happen the way I think they should with the elections? If things don't happen the way I should with, with um, my future, you know? Am I going to blame God? Am I going to point my finger at God and say, God, I thought you were going to do this for me. God, I thought you were going to overcome this. I thought you were going to heal me. I thought you were going to give me this job. I thought you were, or am I going to say like Job, at the very beginning of Job, after he's lost everything, his wife turns to him and, he, and says, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. You see, at the end of Job's story, God restores everything. But Job's attitude was, God, you're still God, even if you don't. And I look at my life and I have no clue what's happening next for in a lot of areas for us. We're still figuring it out. And I find myself sometimes like that, that feeling of just unsettledness and, and um, all of that coming back on me. And I have to stop myself and have to say, no, God, you are so good. I have to change my mind from, from a place of worry and fear to a place of contentment and a place of thankfulness for what he's already done for me. 
Not only has he sent Jesus to die for me, but he allowed me to be born in America where I've had the chance to have an education and and to have religious freedom where I've actually been able to even know about him and be able to worship him. And it's taking the eyes off of what I don't have and, and putting my eyes on Jesus and saying, thank you so much for what you've already given me. Job experienced the most extreme circumstance change that I could ever think of, yet he refused to curse God. I'm sure his peace was a little bit rocky. I'm sure lies were swarming in his head. I don't think we're wrong when we, when we feel those things. But he never stopped loving God. He chose to see that God was still on the throne and that God was in control. When things are good, choose to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. If you have a job that isn't what you thought it would be, do it with all of your strength as unto the Lord. If, if you're believing for a healing, but it still hasn't happened yet, praise God that you're even, you know, that he's already blessed you enough with everything that you do have. If, if you want a raise and then they gave it to somebody else, thank God that you still, you know, are in, are in a place that you can continue to work hard. No matter what your circumstances are, he's given you everything. He gave you Jesus. He's given me everything. I am so thankful that he allowed me to go to South Africa. But even if I never get all of the things that I had before I left, thank God he even gave me a chance to go. We don't do good things to get blessings from God. We can't live our life like that. We do good things out of total devotion to the Lord because he's God, because he's already given us everything. And so I hope... I hope you hear my heart in this, but I'm going to say what Mason would say to the interns in Africa. If you can only tell God one thing for the rest of your life, what would yours be? Would it be holy? Like, God, you're just so holy. I, like the angels, they just can't think of anything else to say because of how uh, amazing God is, how in awe they are. For me, it would be thank you. You know, just thank you, God, for everything that you've given me. What would yours be? Would it be, I love you, God? Like, that's all I can think. Allow him to take your fear or your loneliness or your discontentment or, or whatever it is that you're struggling with and allow him to replace it with thankfulness, you know? Choose to accept the peace that we have just in the knowledge that God is on the throne. Um, I wanna pray for you quickly, wherever you are, if you're at home watching in your car on the, on, on the speakers, whatever it's called. Um, I just wanna pray for you because... I don't think I'm the only one that's ever felt this way before, just trying to determine like how to feel when things don't happen the way I want them to. Um, and you may not be in that place yet, but when you, if you ever find yourself in that place, allow, allow your mind to be transformed from fear and worry to thankfulness and contentment. And I promise the peace of God will transcend all that stuff. So God, I do wanna say thank you for sending Jesus. We are nothing without that. We don't even deserve that. You just gave him as a sacrifice because of your love for us. I pray, Lord, that we never take that for granted. I pray, God, that we weigh what we're doing and why we're doing it um, and, and see, are we doing it for our, our own benefit or are we doing it simply out of devotion for you? I pray, Lord, that if, if our hearts are in the wrong place or if our minds are in a bad place, God, that you put your finger on it and allow it to change and, and you do replace fear and worry and discontentment and... and um, Anyways, replace it all just with the peace of knowing that you are in control. 
God, and that you have us in the palm of your hand. And even if things don't go the way we want them to, that you are still God and you are still good. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. And I live for you alone. And every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Lord, have your heart, I give you my soul, and I live for you alone, and every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, Lord have I'm so happy that you chose to worship with us tonight. And uh, we just pray that you have a blessed evening. And uh, we'll see you this weekend.